fine. You need to cut staff. You need to cut costs. But that all that does is save you money. It doesn't help you grow. And that's why I think it's really important that we do still report and use data, but not to justify our actions, but to decide what our future actions should be. I'm Margaret Kelsey. And I'm Devin Bramhill. And this is Don't Say Content. And shout out to our producers at Share Your Genius. They're great at creating shows with strategic outcomes in mind. They've been with us since the podcast was just an idea, and they helped us bring it to life from strategy all the way to execution. And we absolutely love partnering with them. So if you, dear listeners, are thinking of launching a podcast, which you definitely should, by the way, we recommend having a conversation with our favorite people over at Share Your Genius. Now let's get into it. Okay, so I wanted to tell you something that I saw on the news the other day that made me scream. Oh, no. Is this work-related? Is yeah. this adjacent to marketing at all? It is directly okay. about I'll marketing. I'll allow it. In I'll my brain. <laughs> in my brain. I made a direct association with marketing. So I was watching the local New York City news. And they were as one does. <laughs> And there was a story about the police department launching a campaign to get some of the illegal motorbikes off the road here because an increasing number of people were using them as getaways after committing like a crime of some kind. And they're so efficient at like weaving through things faster than running. It's like working, I guess. So they're like, you're okay. really selling the motorbike industry. I'm like sold. It's a product marketer over here. I sell to criminals now <laughs> on behalf of the motorbike companies. If you're wondering what Devin was doing over the summer. <laughs> I was getting in with the criminals. Uh, it was my way of sticking it to the man, I guess. So I'm watching this story and this police chief guy, some police leader guy who had spearheaded this initiative was talking to the reporter. And she said, how will you know if this initiative is working? And he said, if uh, we get through a night and there's no motorbike crimes or something, then we did our job. And I think you know where I'm going with this. I think I do. But please tell our dear listeners. I looked at that screen and I was like a police officer who is responsible for the safety of a huge and dense city was allowed to report on an initiative by saying with zero data and just, well, uh, well, I like, hear about it less. And so that'll be good. In no time in the history of me working either as a marketer or a CEO, was I ever allowed <laughs> to do anything where it was like, well, I think we'll just kind of know, right? We'll know yeah. if it's working or not. Yeah. Just like if someone comes to our website, then I did my job. Pre crying. Did you just wipe away a tear from your eye? I'm laughing so hard that like I'm crying. Oh, this is a shout out to watch the YouTube version of our podcast where you can see Devin crying. <laughs> It's like my mascara is running down my face too, which makes it worse. That's yeah. Um, I wouldn't have caught just a normal clear tear, but that <laughs> that makeup tear was obvious. I felt like every marketer that I've ever known would see that and choke 
and die and probably take a shot because we have such a hard time not just justifying the fact that we are here at a company working, but that anything we want to do is worth doing without several different metrics, a long explanation, a reminder, a reminder, a reminder. So, And likely right now, I feel like the more I hear that it has to be so tied to revenue, right? Yeah. And your metric is revenue produced. Your metric is pipeline. Your metric is SQLs, right? Whatever it might be. And that's really hard too. So that is why we are talking about reporting today. Reporting. I, and not, not like the journalist that reported on this story. Who also did a bad job because like she read from like a press release. There were no challenging questions like, oh, so neat. Good for you. I was like, okay, I'm never doing anything ever again. Your local news is not as hard hitting as you wanted it to. Let me ask you this, Devin. Do you think the fact that we have more data to report on is, and I'm going to specifically be binary, even though I know your answer will not be binary, is it better or worse now that we have access to so much data that we could possibly report on? Generally speaking, more data and more leads to more insights. And I like that because that helps me be more creative. Mm. In the wrong hands, it becomes like reductive and removes experimentation, creativity, and thus, I believe, hampers progress. I needed help setting up Google Analytics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't do it. And it's so easy to interpret data yeah. in multiple different ways. Like, there's this belief that just because you have data, you can create a supported hypothesis, but you can look at the exact same piece of data and interpret different things. So yeah. let me turn it back to you. Yeah. What do you think? I've always subscribed to this model of marketing that like builds on each other and different channels help support. And I know omni-channel and whatever, but I truly believe in this idea of having what we've traditionally thought of as brand or like saturation of channels as a goal in and of itself before we even get to the conversion part of marketing. And for me, what I see is people really trying to isolate this data and say, oh, well, we got this many leads from LinkedIn or we got this many leads from this channel, not recognizing the fact that Chris Walker talks about like um, the dark social or dark I think dark social, right? But to me, it's like, it's not just dark social. It's like all word of mouth and all brand programs. What you miss out when you try to really create this like granular data reporting to say which things happen from which channels and even multi-touch attribution, I don't think solves for that either. And so I think that as we start to have access to more data on how individual things are performing, it's easy to forget that what you're trying to build is an entire system that surrounds your target audience with a message so that yeah. everything that they see and everything that they think of is you and you solving their problems for them. Yeah. And I think to your qualification earlier when you asked the question, it isn't binary. Yeah. There are some things, some marketing activities that are possible to measure closer to revenue and some that aren't. Both can be successful, yeah. even though they're measured differently. So a company that I have been talking to recently, and I think this is a good a good reference to the idea of like data as almost like a red thread for creativity rather than as 
whatever else it could be. A company that I'm talking to did a podcast sponsorship, funny enough, with an influencer in the space of their core target audience with the idea that this would be like a saturation play, like a brand play, right? We're going to make sure we're getting in front of that person's audience that is our target ICP, our ideal customer persona, and we're going to make sure that they know about our product and our brand and the problem we solve. It just so happens that they actually got a lot of conversions off of that, right? But now I think that that's an interesting red thread of like, hey, we were doing it as like saturation of a channel and getting in front of an ICP in terms of like brand. We weren't even trying to convert yet, but it just so happens that a lot of people came in through that channel. That to me is a more interesting data point to say, okay, well, let's start exploring here. How do we create more opportunities like that? How do we capitalize on this opportunity? It's clear that like there's a signal of readiness here with this unique audience what is that thing and why are they so ready to buy our product, you know? And so for me, that's an interesting data point to point us to be a smarter marketer and to deploy more dollars and look alike programs like that. But it's not that, oh, hey, we got conversions from this thing. Let's just like blindly go off and do more podcast sponsorships, right? It's like at a deeper level of curiosity here. Yeah. First of all, I love when you try something and <laughs> you get more from what you thought. That is rare and very special, but it leads to an important point about how to use data and reporting and marketing. I think a company and a marketing team using data to run experiments or to reflect on things that you're trying to find a marketing mix that works for that company specifically is perhaps the more useful deployment a lot of times, you know, we're given a marketing metric, grow your the newsletter subscribers, and mm -hmm. the mid-funnel team is going to take that and like break them up into cohorts and nurture them. And you're basically using all the data to say like, are these activities I'm doing bringing in more subscribers? But what you're talking about with that company was they experimented with something and the data was an indicator that they were like on the right track with something. Yeah. And that's what John Bonini was saying to me the other day. He's like, I'm not trying to get super granular with every single thing. I want signals yeah, that I can go deeper into something or stop something else and focus. Yeah. And I think that's where currently where we're seeing all these budgets being tightened and people being let go, that companies are going back to, okay, we have to get the most from our budget right now. They could still be doing that efficiently using data to identify signals and gradually become more efficient. But instead, it's just like cut, cut, cut and like do this one thing or expect more from this one thing when it's not necessarily supposed to do. If I'm taking a step back and looking at the marketing mix, I'm thinking, okay, brand is the long-term play. And that includes all things like, you know, writing for the blog and maybe launching a podcast or something. And then there's sort of the more short-term stuff, which I think needs more experiments. Yeah. It needs more faster learning and using the data to do that to say, oh, this is a thing that works. And actually, because it's that, we need to measure this metric instead. It actually came up with a client of mine today. I was talking to the CEO of a marketing agency and he'd gotten a proposal from someone and was asking me about, you know, what they should do. And they were looking for more leads. And so I was reading this thing from that lens. And I was like, does this person even know what you're trying to do? 
Like they're trying to make you like redo your entire website. And I was like, don't do that. Yeah. You don't have enough data about your website. Like you don't even have Google Analytics installed until like a month and a half ago. Yeah. You have no idea how conversions are happening on your website. So don't redo it yet. Get the data points first. Yeah. And that to me is like a really important thing for leaders. I feel like they come to you and I and they're like, what do we measure? What do we do? Who do we hire? You know, that's a first flag for me where I'm like, if you brought someone in and they're proposing all this activity without a shred of data to support it. And it's not going to bring you more leads. So what are we doing here? Oh my gosh. I remember when I was, I was talking to a potential client when I was still at Animals. And when I tell you this person showed me a spreadsheet of like every blog post, he had gotten it down to how much revenue each blog post drives. And I was like, I won't. I feel like I've thrown somebody under the bus a couple of times on this podcast. So I'm not going to say who did this. But when I first started working with someone, they showed me a spreadsheet that was very similar. And I called it the rainbow spreadsheet from hell because it had every marketing program and channel down to exactly that, like down to like, like attributed revenue. And of course, there was like a subsection of that that was like brand programs that did nothing. And I was like, but that don't kill that because that's not going to be the thing that hits the attribution for revenue. Yeah. Because these things live in a funnel, right? And we roll our eyes with funnel stuff and talking about the funnel too much, right? But it is a useful place to talk about the different marketing activities and what you should expect from each marketing activity. And so I think that's that's something that definitely has gotten lost over the last year or so with budget cuts is just this idea of like everything needs to be revenue producing. And I'm like, well, you can do that for the short term, but it actually costs you more to only do that in the long term, right? Yeah. Like brand and saturation programs, the the benefit of that is that it gradually or all at once decreases your conversion costs because so many people know about your product. Some people know about the product that you solve for that then when you get the identification of readiness that somebody's ready to buy, you can convert them that much easier rather than having to do all that education work and all that signal finding without them knowing about you. And so it's fine to do, but you are in the long term increasing your cost of conversion by not investing in brand. Yes. Yes. That was really animals, right? Like I... we. We had like a form on the homepage. We asked people where they found out about us. And then we like wrote this amazing blog. And it's not to say that we weren't analyzing more data behind the scenes and that, you know, there weren't times where I went down rabbit holes trying to understand, which I think is useful. Like you do want to know that stuff, or at least I did, because I think the more information I have, the more creative I am. But I do think that it's like, don't get stuck in that either. And that was something that Alex was saying when I asked him about this. Ding. Oh. But he's like, that's a thing. It's CRO stuff. Like their whole bent is data and conversions and rah, rah. We just have Alex on as a guest. No, we don't do guests. It's always insightful stories that come out of Alex's mouth. Anyway, his point was that. There were like two things he said that were very validating. One is that it's more important for analytics to be useful, even above accuracy and complexity. So going back to what John Bonini said, it's like, you don't have to measure every single thing. You don't have to create all these like complex journeys on your site necessarily. What are the big ticket things that you need to get right? And then kind of see how things are going from there. 
or at least that's my interpretation of the two of them. P.S. I'm not going to put words in their mouth. But the other thing was, he's like, the question you should ask is, what are you going to do differently with this information? Yeah. And I was like, yes, yes. It's like, why? And what I would add to that is, how long have you been measuring this for? How many reps have you given whatever it is that you're measuring before you're evaluating it? Yeah. You could make a change to something on the top of the fold of your website, the, where the button is or what the call to action is. I don't know. If you wait a month and see how much traffic did you have during that month? Did you make any other changes, et cetera, et cetera? Like you're never going to get it exactly right. But it's like, you know, make sure you're having enough of those reps in to be able to accurately judge and have it be the type of thing where it's like, yeah, stuff like that, maybe you can measure a little bit faster, but other things might need more time to breathe. Like some people who do influencer campaigns don't see that kind of immediate and visible impact. Yeah. In which case, do you measure after a month? Do you measure after two months, et cetera? And that's where the lack of patience comes in, right? It's like, I talked about this with Lindsay at Casted Earlier this week, it's like the the quick flip that happened this year around from growth at all costs to profitability. She's like, it takes time to make that switch in it's terms of- It's a complete of- different strategy. <laughs> it's a complete different strategy. Yeah. And strategy yeah. Cha- changes take a long time. I think that's a good flip side to, to your point of what you, what would you do if you had access to this data is very similar to like the what gets measured gets managed, but it's just on the opposite side of it, right? Is this worth measuring because is this worth managing? Yeah. Like if I'm a marketer or someone running a company who maybe doesn't have a marketer or like, you know, someone involved in that decision making around what to do and what to measure, I think like my first step is let us all get alignment on what our business goal is how we plan on achieving that business goal. Do we need to be booking calls? Do we need to be getting people into some kind of freemium product, et cetera? And then looking at the marketing mix and saying, what in the past six months has just consistently worked to some varying degree? Maybe it contributes 5%, 10%, whatever. And are there ways that we can dial this up? Are there ways that we can optimize this more, whatever? What are the things we're doing because it's a legacy marketing activity that isn't actually working anymore? Kill like, fire. Right. Like some, I was, again, yeah. talking to another CEO this week who was trying to ruthlessly prioritize. And I said, why are you doing anything with social, organic social media? Yeah. Just stop right now. Stop. Don't do it. On corporate and channels. Not, kill it. Yeah. Just stop. Just like, don't even bother. And actually, this person was a CEO. They were planning to dial up their, you know, yep. networking, their brand, et cetera. And I was like, that's actually a really good thing. You sell this company better than anyone. Like a CEO sells the company typically better than anybody else, right? And that seems unscalable. Yeah. With all the tools there are to scale up your corporate social engagement, organic, organic. Yep probably not going to do anything for you. But what the CEO going out on the road and doing more speaking gigs, doing unscalable networking events, producing more of their their content because they have a bigger following, all for it. Like, fine, you need to cut staff. You need to cut costs. But that all that does is save you money. It doesn't help you grow. Mm. And that's why I think it's really important that we do still report 
and use data, but not to justify our actions, but to decide what our future actions should be. Yes. Yeah. The other piece that I think is really interesting is when you, especially when you're talking about like what works, right? You're looking at these channels and maybe there's some repeatability there. Those things that you should look at on how to measure them or what to report on is, can I get the same amount of leads or whatever it is from here? Can I make that faster? Cost per conversion, can I make that lower? Percentage of conversion, can I make it higher? Anything quality that you, of lead itself. Yeah, quality of lead. So anything that's repeatable, you should then move to managing and measuring those aspects of it. We know that this channel works. So let's stop arguing about that. Now let's make it more efficient, cost less, and be more effective. Yep. And then the, when, you, when you have those things, your second alignment activity is to say, what are we going to experiment with in Q1 to... God, you speak my language. I'm like, there should be two running lists. These are the programs we know what works, and those are being gold on more efficient, quicker time to value, whatever it is. And then these are clearly the things that we're measuring to even understand if there's any purpose to do these activities again. These are just experiments, right? But we see that so often that people are measuring either predictable channels in experimentation mode or experimental channels in like actual predictability mode. And I'm like, how did you pick that number if you've never done that before? They're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, why would you pick a number that you don't know if you can actually do it or not, right? Like goal on the fact that you're just experimenting here. Goal to see if you can get something out of it. Don't goal that you're going to like hit some random number that you actually have no idea because you have no data points. This happens a lot with the clients that I work with too, where it's like, I ask them, I'm like, what's your goal? And they're like, we want to get to, you know, X million. I'm like, okay, why? Like, how do you thought this through? You know, going back to this, the cool thing about doing it this way is imagine the conversation you have as a CMO or head of marketing with your CEO. Yeah. When instead of trying to justify a program, you come to them and you're like, these are the things that work. These are the things that we think based on, here's my hypothesis around these three things. We're going to test them. I'm going to create data for you. I'm going to analyze it for you. I'm going to make a recommendation for adding or tossing. By the end of H2, by the end of H1, my goal is to add one or two more channels contributing X percent to whatever. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. For me as a CEO, I feel more trust. Now you're in it together. Now the data is being used in a super productive way. And imagine if there was a shift in marketing KPIs. You know, if you're the head of marketing, your KPIs are different. Yeah. Look, you need your impact goal if you're going to be a C level marketer. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not disputing that. But within that, throughout the year, you could change the conversation between you and leadership and you and your team making room for the experiments that could have a skyrocketing effect on your business. Best case scenario, worst case scenario, even a 10% impact. Because the what if, what if this influencer thing, which we thought wasn't going to do much beyond, what if it could do 10x more? And what if it actually converts? Because there's some weird, that's the thing. What if we do this podcast sponsorship of this influencer and it actually converts? And we wouldn't have done that anyway if we didn't even try to experiment with it. So something you touched on. So at OpenView, we specifically broke our goals into two types of goals. We had 
change goals, which were something that we were doing for the first time. And we had vital goals, which was something that we had enough repeatability to to put like percentage change metrics in. So vital goals were like, this is an existing program. We want to keep doing it. And we know that we can increase it by this thing this quarter, right? We know we can make it cost less, be more effective, whatever it might be. And then the change goals were specifically about gathering enough data to get a benchmark so that either we decide to then do some increased metric or we decide to kill the program if it wasn't, in fact, doing the thing that we wanted it to do. And they were specifically written in two different ways. There was different formatting documentation on how that goal would be written because it was so different for it to be a vital goal from a change goal that it was like even visually different. And I thought that that was really a useful way to to split those things in my own brain. And then when you start to write your vital goals of like existing programs, you then start looking at it as everything that's existing. And do we still need to do it? To your point of like, there's so many legacy things that your team is probably working on that maybe they shouldn't be working on anymore. But if you write it all out, in this vital goal format, you're like, oh my God, why are we doing all that? Right. It takes 25% of this person's time to do that thing that doesn't matter. Ew. But also, ew for them. They can't feel good about that if it's not contributing to business value and they're spending a lot of time spinning their wheels on it. Like, it's not fair for anyone. I think this is a learning moment for marketers as well, because I do still encounter marketers who are still holding on to these legacy activities for the sake of it. And it's not to say that. There isn't a brand out there that organic social media doesn't work for. There's two entrenchments. There's entrenchments on the leadership side and there's entrenchments on some of the marketer side. It's funny that reporting ends up being the, the way out if it's deployed like you said. There's a section for hypotheses and there's a, a, a section for the things that you continue running. And can you imagine, Margaret, imagine reporting to your company well, actually, you don't have to imagine it because you did this at AppQs. But like to me, I imagine reporting from that standpoint and having it be way more fun for me, yeah, way more engaging for the team. Yeah. Because they're like, ooh, who doesn't love an experiment? Yeah. Whether it succeeds or fails, it's like there's a lot of curiosity in there. And so I think that makes this – it makes marketing – it has the ability to make marketing – more of a shared experience, which I think does help with that kind of alignment that you and I have been continuing to talk about between marketing and the other business executive team. I think it's going to be really important as we talk more and more about community and building community to grow your brand and to maintain and engage sort of customer and engage and referring customer base because it is very hard to measure. We didn't even... <laughs> We didn't even really try at animals. We were just like, are we hitting our revenue targets, right? And so we need that that experimental bucket at companies for them to even attempt any type of community activity. To your point, so many people, including at the executive layer, but definitely down below, need permission to kill things. I think a lot of people need permission for a lot of things, which is really a funny realization in my 30s. They're like, sometimes people just need permission from somebody else to like do the thing that they want to do or know that they should do. Funny little quirk about humans. You can just be like a permission giver. So if you ever DM me if you need permission on anything and I'll just give it to you. So I'll, I'll write you the permission slip for it. But I do think that that's an interesting piece of it is like so many times people just need permission. And I think for folks that are maybe experiencing that right now, 
first of all, you can just either ask for permission to kill things or I used to get in trouble because I would kill things without really talking to anyone. And then I remember I used to have a manager who I didn't talk to all that often, which was a different story. And every time I would talk to this person, I would get in trouble because I would have killed something that I had just been experimenting with. And if I didn't see value in continuing to do it, I just wouldn't do it anymore. But because I didn't talk enough with this manager, <laughs> they would only get updates from me when I would like be like, oh, I haven't done that in four weeks because it wasn't doing the thing I wanted it to do. And now I'm doing this other thing in its place. And I actually feel like there's some promise. And this person would be like, you did what? Like, why don't you tell me these things? I'm like, well, that's a different story. So you and I had a conversation about this reporting episode, and we agreed that because it is a complex problem in that different types of people have different opinions on this. And so we agreed that we were just going to kind of like have conversations with our marketing friends about it and make sure that our perspective, that we were showing a diversity of perspectives and not just our own, since we know that there are a lot of them. Yeah. And it was really interesting to me to see the theme in the folks that I spoke to all being centered around this idea of determining what you're using it for and using it to help with drive hypotheses and things like that. But there was something that Jay said to me that made me laugh so hard. He said, I think a lot of it is just being able to tell a story and not get fired. He said a lot more than that, including the stuff about developing hypotheses and what you're using it for. Yeah. But he ended it and he's like, Something like, okay, cool. Now go fuck up this industry on the mic. Okay, thanks. Bye. Because <laughs> he does that too, right? Very vocally in his own way, right? He's like, yeah. you know, stop following these playbooks. Don't be doing things. Don't be just saying, okay, I want to go build an audience. He's like, make content worth helping you build an audience, et cetera. So <laughs> I appreciated that we were on the same page there. And I think that there is more commonality. I think a lot more marketers are on the same page. I think it's just identifying the way out. Yeah. It's like not just knowing the problem, but saying like, how do we get out of here? Yeah. And I think what you described most succinctly reflects a solution of some kind if there were a single one, which is the bucket of things that are working, the bucket of things you're experimenting with, and using reporting to be the reflection of those activities and what you're learning and bringing the rest of the team in on those learnings together so that if you're all learning together maybe now the people you've been battling with who you're like, don't understand marketing can start to learn about marketing through your execution. And so you're kind of leading everybody to where you want them to be so you can do what you think is right. Okay, y'all, that's a wrap. Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great. 30% of you are doing great. The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on. You know, you know which side you're on this week. You know. <laughs> you know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. What is the word I used? I think I forgot how to say words during the summer. This has been an ongoing struggle. I need you to know. You're like, you needed like, what was that? Kumon or what's the thing that kids do during the summer to like keep their schooling up? I think it's called Kumon, right? I did right? go to school, Margaret. K-U-M-O-N. Oh, I forgot. Homeschool. You never did the in-between. You were just always probably in school or like never in school. <laughs>